0: Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Cults, cons, conspiracies. These are a few of my favorite things. No, but seriously, (laughs) Books about cults, cons, and conspiracies are some of my all time favorites. So, for our summer limited edition quarterly box, we've bundled three cults, cons, and conspiracy books to share with you for a limited time. The first book is Hey Hun Sales, Sisterhood, and Supremacy, and the Other Lies Behind Multi Level Marketing by Emily Lynn Paulson, the juicy tell all memoir from a former top earner in a popular MLM, because nothing says cults and cons quite like network sales. The next book in this bundle is Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong, which is sure to be on the bestsellers list when it releases in May. This scathing takedown of publishing and publicity is perfect for readers tapped into the book internet and anyone who loves an accidental con artist. Is June Song a con artist or a conspiracist, you tell me? Finally, we're featuring a book that's currently in development for film, The Honeys by Ryan Lasala. This is like midsummer meets Mean Girls with a lovable, gender-fluid teen at the center of a cult-like group of teen girls with conspiracies right under their noses. Pre-orders for our Cults, Cons, and Conspiracies box opens on May 1st for shipment by June 1st, and we'll only have hundred of these boxes, so make sure you order yours ASAP. No subscription required. Head to feministbookclub.com to pre-order yours today.
1: Hi, I'm Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined to the, today with Kirthana Ramasenti. She earned an MSA in creative writing from Emerson College. Her debut novel is Dava Shastri's Last Day. She joins us to talk about her second novel, Advika and the Hollywood Wives. Kirthana, thank you for joining us today. For having My first question is, what is your definition
2: of feminism? I mean, simply put, it's equal rights and opportunities for all of us. And the simple fact that we all deserve to be treated fairly. Unfortunately, it's never been so simple for us, even from the past to the present, as we're encountering all the time in our culture and in our society. And I definitely wanted to look into that idea of feminism in terms of my book as well, because it's all about the fact that even though we always, all women and all people deserve equal rights and opportunities, that's not always preserved to us in very equitable ways. And it's definitely something I explore in
0: my novel.
1: And what is Advika and the Hollywood Wives about?
2: Sure. So it's about Advika. She's an Indian American screenwriter. She's in her 20s and she aspires so much to break into the film industry and write movies that reflect her own life experience, but she hasn't had much success. In addition, She's recently lost her twin sister. Her her sister has had an accident a few years before the novel begins, as she's in the process of mourning her sister and the fact that her career has just not gone to the place she wants it to be. She's working at an after party for the Oscars when she meets Julian Zeldin, who is an Oscar winning movie producer, 40 years her senior. And they hit it off immediately, had this whirlwind romance, and actually get married. And then a month after they do tie the knot, Julian's first wife passes away. And in her will, he she bequeaths $1 million to Aga telling her, I will give this money to you if you divorce Julian. And so she is shocked and horrified. And then she realizes she doesn't know who she married at all. So she decides to understand who her new husband really is through the eyes and experiences of his ex-wives, who are an actress, a pop star, and a reality star. How
1: did you write the opening scene of the book? You said that the characters meet each other at a Oscars party and there's the glitz and the glamour and the glow of winning an Oscar and being at this Hollywood party, which so many people would love to be at. And it really provides this scene of glamour and glitz.
2: How did you write this opening scene? So I always knew that the story would begin at the Oscars, specifically the governor's ball, which is the first official Asta Party of the Oscars. And it's really important to me to figure out why and where the story starts. And for Adrika, who, again, she's an aspiring screenwriter, she's always on the outside looking in. She always wants to be in this industry and never feels a part of it. And so I thought, you know, to have this novel begin as Adrika, again, as the ultimate outsider looking in, she's actually at, you know, the pinnacle event for the film industry, but she's not a part of it. She's not... She longs to be peers with the people she's serving, but again, instead, she is serving them and she's working there. So she's such a movie fan. And when she meets Julian Zelding, she is like, she's surprised that this Oscar-winning film producer, he she's coming off this fifth Oscar win the night she meets him. He's taking the time to just talk to her and discuss movies with her and treating her like an equal. So it's kind of this fantasy element of. My God, like I'm finally at this place I've never been before. And this guy is taking the time to talk to me and treat me, you know, with respect and kind of sees how much I love movies. And he, of course, is a movie fan too. And being in that environment, being someone like him, for the first time, she feels happy again because she's also, again, more in the depth of her sister. So it's it sets a scene for where Abika would decide to date and marry Julian, and which is a decision that surprises even her because again. 40-year age difference, very unusual.
1: And what attributes did you want to give to Advika as she is a young woman making choices and also learning about life?
2: Yeah, so one of the things I thought would be really important for Advika, especially where she is at the start of the story, is she is so passionate about her love of movie and screenwriting, but even before the loss of her sister, she was just a little too single-minded about it. That was just her one and only true focus and nothing else mattered instead of that. Besides that, and also she was used to navigating her entire life with her twin sister as by her side, you know, her confidant, you know, her compass. She just didn't know how to exist in the world without her sister. So to take that, to have her experience a loss of her sister kind of throws her off completely. And she is at such a loose end. She decides to, you know, she only, the only choice she feels that she has is to marry this man who is interested in her, who's expressing interest in her as a human being and as a screenwriter. And so she kind of sees Julia as her lifeline, like she's literally clinging to him so she doesn't drown. But then what I want to explore in the course of the novel is the idea that she has to, for the first time, which you understand who she's actually married to, start to make decisions and be decisive on her own two feet without you know the support she always had of her sister, kind of own the choices she's making. And in addition to that, As a person who is so single-minded, she's kind of closed off to the rest of the world and its problems because she's so concerned about what's happening to her. So what I liked doing with her, getting to know the stories of her predecessors, the other ex-wives, it kind of opens up her world and her mind to the ideas of all the issues that are happening in the world around her and not be so self-centered. Yes, I mean, she's not,
1: she's old, she's in her later 20s, so she's not. She's not young, but she's still in a place where as you go through life, you're learning about yourself. And I like that she wasn't too grown, but she, you know, is still getting in a place where she can make mistakes. She has to honor her choices and just really be careful about the people that she has around her and the people in her life who check her and who keep her a bit grounded.
2: Exactly. And I think one of the things that was important for me in this novel, sometimes I see this novel described as a love story. And I don't yeah. really I don't think of it as a traditional love story, even mm-hmm. though my character loves romantic comedies. It's actually a story about friendship and embracing yes. their friends, right? The yes. friends and there's two kinds of right. It's two kinds of friendships. The one is the people who've been known all your life, who've been in your corner, the people you could call up at two M and say, Listen, I did something terrible. Can you help me? And they'll be there for you. But also, it's important to explore through the character of Olive is like there could be new friendships too that come into your life that can be very vital, important to you. And I really wanted this novel to be tribute to the kinds of fr- the various kinds of friendships that we can have and how vital they are to us as we go through our lives. And that's so important
1: because so many people equate love as just with another person and love when you have it for yourself, when you have it for your friends, your pet, whomever it really opens up our in our ideas about love and I do appreciate that there was so much friendship in the book it wasn't just like oh I'm off to be married to this mm-hmm. glamorous man in this glamorous life she
2: really had to understand who was the most important to her exactly I think that was about, that was one of the other journeys I wanted Adelica to go on because she starts the novel feeling very bereft and alone. Not having her twin sister in her life has also made her feel like she wanted to push away her close friends, who in the book are called the Okies, the people she grew up with from childhood. And she has to learn that she she needs to not cut people out of her life. And, you know, it's important to depend on your friends, support your friends, but at the same time, it's equally important to offer support and guidance to them as well. Like, she has a lot of problems in this novel. And one of the lessons she learns is just because she's going through a lot doesn't mean she can't be there for her friends, too. So it was really important for me to show that friendship is one of the most important relationships you have in your life. But it can't be, it has to be 50-50. You can't just give and take, take and take. It has to be definitely give and take throughout. And that's a lesson she learns, too.
1: There's the mention of the Oscar So White hashtag as well as Bollywood. How did you want to the call and recognition of, di- of diversity
2: to be in the story? Representation has always been really important to me because it shows that there's a path for you in the world in terms of the opportunities you want to pursue. If you see someone who looks like you pursuing something you're interested in, it just kind of opens up the idea like, oh wait, there could be a place for me. For because that is the movie Benza, Lake Beckham*. She sees a person who looks like herself on the big screen as a lead in romantic comedy, and she is blown away with the idea that someone like her can be the star of a romantic comedy. And then the fact that the film is directed by an indie woman, too, it kind of opens up her eyes, like, I'm going to pursue this opportunity. And for me, too, like for me, that moment for me was the, the book, The Joyla Club, which I read in high school English class. It was my first time reading a book that was assigned for class that featured Asian and Asian American characters. And I was like, oh, well, if this, if she could write this book and it's going to have huge acclaim and I could read it in my classroom, but maybe one day I can publish a book, too. So in that way, representation is very important to me in terms of showing that there is a way forward and there is a place for you and you can perhaps pursue those opportunities. In terms of the Oscar Snow white campaign, it was a very conscious decision to base the novel in 2015, which is when the hashtag campaign went viral in response to the fact that there were no white nominees in the acting categories. So I thought it'd be really interesting for Advika, who is at the governor's ball, dying to break into the industry and then she gets a this hint of hope yeah. maybe there is a place for me because look there's actual conversation happening and I think that maybe this is a possibility for me and then of course events play out where she feels like just because that conversation is happening it doesn't mean the players in the industry are actually open to that kind of the idea of the importance of diversity and inclusion in the film industry but I really wanted to start there because I just think it was a very very important for someone like Audrey, who never really sees her experiences or sees herself behind, like in terms of the, on film or even like behind the scenes in terms of filmmaking or writing, just to have that like glimpse of hope for a chance for herself, which also makes her kind of open to what Julia's presenting to her in terms of the opportunities he could have for her. And just by being aligned with him and maybe try to get her screenplay out in the world in that way as well.
1: Yes, I think with the Oscars, so white hashtag in particular there's so much about the negative as opposed to what the conversation should focus on is just being at being advocates and making changes and necessary changes and you know it's not like there aren't non-white people making wonderful films they're out there so the, those films need to be acknowledged just as much as the films by white people or the legends or the more seasoned people who have
2: had multiple opportunities in the industry. And I think what was interesting for me is that uh, Adhika, as I mentioned before, she's so single-minded on Hollywood specifically and the, breaking into the Hollywood industry. There's a moment in the novel where they're discussing the Oscar win for Swam's Millionaire. Mm -hmm. and my character is so like excited to see like wow the film about Indian people is won the Oscar it can't be a bigger pinnacle and then her friend is like well there's Bollywood there's the Indian film industry and it just goes to show like Advika is so tunnel vision about what she wants she doesn't even realize that there's a whole other movie industry happening outside of the borders of Hollywood and it's something again that she has to have her mind open to throughout the course of the novel but I also want to make sure to acknowledge the fact that even as Advika thinks of Oscars as a pinnacle of like Achievement in the film world. There's a there's so much amazing filmmaking happening, including in India. And she just she can't even see it. Yes. And what place did you want grief to have in the story? Well, for me, grief was a starting point for Olivia in the sense that when I decided that okay, I'm going to have an Indian American character, and just for just to mention, I think all my novels going forward will always have an Indian American woman at the center of the story. So when I was trying to imagine, okay, have this idea. For my character to marry a much older white man, 40 years her her senior. She's 26, he's 40, he's his mid-sixties. I was trying to think about like the reaction of her family because there would be a reaction from her family. And I'm like, there's no way they would have this would happen. There would be an intervention. <laughs> They'd be hated discussions. It would not be an easy thing for her to just own up and marry this person because it just it's not something that happens in ancient culture. We are very involved in each other's lives. So I thought the only way that made sense for me. For Advika to be to like marry this man in a matter of months is to kind of give her a grief so heartbreaking that she feels like she almost has no choice, but there are no other alternatives open to her because in the death of her twin sister, it also estranges her from her family and her close friends. And Julian just seems like the only viable option to her at the moment in terms of having a life and some sort of happiness. So she goes for it. But that said, I think of grief a lot in in terms of books and just the media we consume because I don't think anything can recreate the experience of grief you don't know what it's like unless you've experienced it for yourself but I do feel like books perhaps like mine can show that when a person is experiencing grief there is a way forward and there is a way to move forward after that loss life will never be the same when you lose a person who is very close to you but there is a way to move in life in a different way. It just will just never be the way it once was. And I think that's an important thing to show in grief too that there is an after to it and it'll never be what it once was, but it can it can still be something of that it can still be a fulfilling life, just a different life. And
1: it makes the story more real because I think you a reader may look at the title and think, "Oh, Hollywood, as I mentioned, it's glamorous, it's glitzed, but also that these people are brought together in some way." because of grief and that grief manifests in different forms. So I think that makes the story more grounded as opposed to she's just riding around in nice cars and living in mansions and also says something about Hollywood that these are human beings who even can experience the highest in their career and can experience the lowest just as any other person does.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the lessons that I think as throughout her journey, as she tries to find out who she's really married to and learns about the past of the ex wives, is that they're like, it's so easy, but especially if you're trying to break into Hollywood and you feel like you'll never kind of, you're always on the outside looking in, you have your, and your hands against the glasses trying to get in so badly. You start think, stop thinking of these people as human beings, people who have their own ambitions, their own heartbreak. You, and it's important to recognize the humanity in people and that just, is a lesson that Aditya learns and takes to heart, especially when she figures out how she is going to deal with her marriage. And she kind of takes the lessons of all the past wives, her predecessors, what they went through with Julian to kind of figure out the best way to navigate that in a way that, you know, kind of saves her, but also honors the people, honors the women that preceded her, too. Every chapter title in this book is
1: named after a film. And that was such a fun thing to catch. How did you use films to give the culture and spirit of Hollywood and also share the age difference
2: between Avika and most of the people that she encountered? Yes, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm a very pop culture-oriented person, so it's always fun for me to print Easter eggs like the chapter headings. They're each actually named after a romantic comedy, which is mm. kind of fun. But I love using pop culture to show the age difference between Avika and Julian by giving them sometimes the same famous reference, but yet they have different experiences of that of that piece of pop culture. For example, the show Columbo, that's something that Advika and Julian have an early conversation about. But what's funny to me is that Advika is talking about it when she used to watch it on reruns on TV. But Julian's point of reference is that she, he actually knew the star of the TV show and used to play poker with them. So not only does it show the age difference, but also that, like, the huge power imbalance between them. And it shows how big of a power player in the industry that Julian is and he's been that way for a very long time because Colombo is like from the 70s into the 80s so the way of illustrating that age difference and what brings them together but also the fact that there's a huge imbalance between them. The other fun thing for me to play with was the idea of because of that age difference like Julian had a whole lifetime before Adelka was even born so it's fun to kind of have her watch a movie of his when he was in his 20s pretty much the same age as her now and just kind of reckoning with the fact like, oh, that's what my husband looked like when he was in his 20s. Yes. And that's it's, it's such a, must, I figured that in real life, that must be a strange thing to recognize if you have a spouse who's much older, like to reckon who they were before they met you. And especially if they're at a much younger age. And just give her that very strange, surreal experience and realize, oh man, this person had a whole life without me. And how do I reckon with that? So it was a lot of fun to do that kind of thing as well. Yes, this book is a pop culture
1: gem just full of books and or full of films and television references. And I'm definitely gonna check out some of those films that have been mentioned because some of them are from the forties and, and of that era, just as much as it is of present day. And so one of my last questions for you is
2: what three films would you put in the Criterion collection? Can I say this is such a good question. I had to really give this some thought. I was happy to say the first film that came to mind was Mississippi Masala, which is mm-hmm. my if Benjit It was like either because movie that opened her eyes, that was a movie that opened my eyes because it was a fact I got to see an Indian woman living in the U.S. as the star of a romantic film. And it's such a gorgeous, beautiful, funny film. I feel like it was a rarity when it was made and still a rarity now. Yes. But it's already in the Criterion Collection, so thankfully. So the movies, I would say, are Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I think it's a beautiful love story and inventively told. And it's like, I just rewatched it last year and it's just as good as it was the first time I saw it. It's great performances. I just realized they chose two Kate Winslet films because they chose that one. And she's also great in Sense of Sensibility, which I think might be the best Jane Austen adaptation there is. Kate Winslet, Ella Thompson, just a great cast. And also not just it's not just a romantic comedy or romantic drama, but it also has a very good sister relationship in it, which I think is probably maybe one of the best sister relationships we have. And then my third film is called Saving Face and I actually referenced it in my book too. as kind of an homage. It was a 2004 film. It's about a Chinese American woman, a Chinese American woman and her mother. And what I love about this film, It's very underrated. I think it's getting more acclaim as the time goes on. It's a romantic comedy, but also a mother-daughter story. And the concept of saving face as a person who's also Asian is very familiar to me. Basically, you don't want to bring shame on your family. And so for both these characters, the mother is pregnant at 48 years old. The daughter is dating a woman, but she's not quite out to anybody yet. So they're both trying to navigate these very tricky situations while also kind of working on their own relationship. And it's just a wonderful movie. So that is my plug. Please go see Saving Face. Go find it. I love it. And I just definitely want to see it in the Criterion Collection.
1: And my last question for you is, where would you like our audience to buy Advica and
2: The Hollywood Wives? That is a great question. I'm going to start off by saying, please support your local independent bookstore. If you don't know where the one is closest to you, I would say go to IndieBound.org. They will let you know which indie bookstore is closest to you in terms of your location. I'm also going to give mention to my local indie, which is Twister's Uptown in New York City, which is owned by a mother and daughter, and it's wonderful, and they are lovely. I also want to give mention Beach Books in Seaside, Oregon. They were so lovely in championing my debut novel, Dava, and I really feel indebted to them. Um, And then I'll also be visiting Greenlight Bookstore in Brooklyn, BookSoup in L.A. and book passage in San Francisco for Advika. So they're all wonderful indies. But I always say no matter what, try to support your own local independent bookstore because you want to see them thrive and continue to prosper right now.
1: Kirthana Ramasetti,
0: thank you for joining us to talk about Advika and the Hollywood Wives. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. well red woman is a